Psalm 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The decrees of the Lord are firm, and all of them are righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the honeycomb. Just have a moment to pray before God, to consider whether you consider the Bible in front of you to be more precious than gold, sweeter than honey. Lord, forgive us for the way we treat your words as just average and interesting, useful, but not precious, not sweet. But we thank you that that is the reality of your word tonight. That as you speak to us, we are we're opening up treasure chests full of all the riches you could possibly give us. I pray that we believe that and experience that tonight your word would be precious to us. It would be sweet. It would be good. It would be challenging. It would be refreshing to us. And that we would leave here rich, full, and rejoicing because of what you are doing in our lives to make us more like Christ. Amen. So we're continuing our series on moving forward. We're thinking about moving forward in Christ-likeness and following Christ. And uh, we finished part one, which was foundations for moving forward. Um, We thought about our new existence, our new motivation, our new method. And as we get into part two, which is how to move forward, don't leave the foundations behind. Because when you leave foundations behind, the building crumbles. All right? So don't leave behind those foundations of grace, the foundations of our new existence, of mercy being our motivation, of being rooted in Christ, our hearts and our minds set on things above, putting to death the dog of sin. And those foundations, okay, as we get into the method. But now we've got those foundations in place, we're going to explore how the Bible says we actually move forward. Um. And what we're going to look at today, I want to put a disclaimer on it, um, that it looks very neat, okay? I'm going to kind of present a diagram (laughs) of change and how it happens, and it looks really neat. Um, Lily, your your one is on the back there because I saw it. Oh, you got it there. Um, But change is really, really messy. You know that about your Christian life. Your kind of progress is up and it's down, and it happens in all sorts of ways, sometimes through struggles, sometimes through good times. Our Christian lives are like, but it's meant to be up, but it is definitely like up and down, up and down, up and down. Okay, So this may look neat, and it's true, and it's real, and it's biblical, but when it's lived out, it is messy, okay? But it is very helpful for us to break it down and say, biblically, okay, what does it mean to change? How does it happen? And it's helpful to think about because, here's here's my my little phrase, that change happens with an awareness of how change happens. Okay, so we want to change, 
But change happens with an awareness of how it happens. To actually slow down and think about the process enables us in the messiness of life to begin to go, oh, that's what I need to do. That's what it looks like. Change happens with an awareness of how change happens. So that's why it's worth thinking about. And when you're aware of how moving forward in Christ-likeness happens, it, it means you can help other people. You're having a coffee with a friend from church, and they say, you, you know, you're, you're praying together, and they say, I, I really like your prayer. I'm, I'm really struggling with this sin. And actually, I'd really love you to help me think about fighting it. What do you say? What do you do? How do you help? How do we help each other fight sin and grow in Christ-likeness? You've got to know how change happens in order to begin to help each other. So it's worth it. It's worth it. Now, what we need is trees, okay? I don't know if you noticed, but there are lots of trees around. Not in London, no, but in the Bible and on the front of your thing. That's why there are trees on the front of your thing. There are trees all over the Bible. Um, You get trees in the garden, right? Uh, The Garden of Eden, you get the tree of life, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Israel get called a tree. Um, They get referred to as a vine, my choice vine that I I planted, God says. Um, We are called trees. We thought about that on Sunday. Um, Well, Jesus is the vine, we're branches. There's a whole branchy tree thing going on there. It's one of the most used images in the Bible to describe People, Christians, believers. So um, you might be familiar with Psalm 1 where it talks about a tree planted um, in the law of the Lord and it's kind of this beautiful, happy tree. And then the tree of those that are against God and which withers. Jesus talks about bearing fruit and so on. And so this is the one big image I want you to take away from this entire series on moving forward, okay? When you, if you think back and go, I want was it we learned in the Moving Forward in Christ-likeness series? You'll go, ah, three trees. Okay? Three trees is what you will say to each other in decades to come when you reminisce about these wonderful days. All right? Three trees. And the three trees come from Jeremiah 17. So please turn there. Page 777. Lovely number. Um, Jeremiah 17. Jeremiah is a prophet to God's people when they were in the darkness of their rebellion against him, against God. Um, And in Jeremiah 17, page 777, um, we get these trees that help us understand how we move forward. So, tree one. We get in Jeremiah 17, verse 5. This is what the Lord says. Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. That person will be like a bush in the wastelands. They will not see prosperity when it comes. They will dwell in the parched places of the desert, in a salt land where no one lives. Stop there. This is our first tree, okay? What's this tree like? It's a bush in the wastelands in verse 6. This is not a healthy tree, okay? So there's this, you're meant to imagine it with, with thorns, with kind of bad fruit, if any fruit. Doesn't see prosperity. It's, it's, it's parched. It's this kind of unhealthy, dry tree. 
the sun beats down on it. In these, it's in these parched places. And the tree is withering in these wastelands. But remember that this is describing a person. Verse 6, that person will be like a bush. So this tree, this desert, unhealthy bush in the wastelands, is a person. We have a picture to help us understand this. Thank you to Anais for these. I forgot that these whiteboards spin. (laughs) All right. So here's the first tree. Sorry, people over there. All right. First thing we've got in this diagram is the sun at the top, the heat. And you got that, you got that kind of picture in, in those verses, didn't you, of being in the wastelands. And the heat represents pressure in life. Hard times, illness, traumatic experiences. By the way, it'll probably help you to draw this, okay? Because we're going we're gonna to refer to this every single week for the next few weeks, okay? Um, traumatic experiences, past and present, you twist your ankle. I twisted my ankle mildly this, this week. That's heat. That's, that, that's something that happens to you. And then, when those things come upon you, sometimes they can be good things, they can be bad things, but there's heat stuff in your life external to you. We react, right? We react to those things in certain ways. Negative ways. Uh, you get a bad email and you start, which is the, the, the kind of the heat, and the thorns you produce is worry, worry. You, um, you're driving along or you're walking along and you get cut up by a bad driver. That's the heat. Your reaction, anger. The fruit of cynicism, despondency, aggression. You do well in life. You, you nail it at work or in your essay or whatever. That's heat. That's something external in your life. How do you respond? Pride. That's the, that's the thorns, the, the negative fruit in your life. You see your man or woman who is attractive. Heat. Your reaction. Lust. So that's the bad fruit, the thorns, produced in our life, our behavior, our thinking, in reaction to heat, the sun, stuff that happens all around us. And it is in reaction, whether that's in terms of a big situation or a momentary thing, you know, no one goes around angry all the time, apart from the Hulk, because that's his secret. He's angry all the time. But we get angry when something happens, right? The fruit of anger when it comes when heat comes. But there's more to this tree. So we've got the sun, and we've got the thorns and the thistles being produced in reaction to those situations. Where do the thorns come from? Where does this bad fruit come from? What makes a person, person like this bad tree? Verse 5 Cursed is the one who trusts in man, who draws strength from mere flesh, and whose heart turns away from the Lord. So here we see, in terms of this person, what's going on in the roots underneath. This is where we begin to look at, and you can see it on the diagram, the heart. What, what is underneath all of this is the heart. So we've seen that this person in verse 5 is someone who, in their heart, trusts in man, not in God. 
Their confidence is in humans. They draw strength from mere flesh, whether that's other people or just self. So a tree, all trees suck up nutrients from the soil to, to try and get strong. Well, this tree sucks up strength from human strength, willpower. But that's just that's a bad place to be drawing up nutrients from. And so what comes out of these thorns? And what's going on in this heart in relation to God? Have a look at the verses. Whose heart turns away from the Lord. The heart turns away from the Lord. This is, this is a key principle. At the root of all the sinful fruit in your life and my life is a heart that doesn't properly relate to God. Okay? That's the, that's the basic problem. A heart that doesn't properly relate to God. That's what produces all our reactions in life. A heart that doesn't trust, that doesn't love, that doesn't believe rightly. A heart that thinks humans are my hope and strength, not God. A heart that's human-centered, not God-centered. A heart that when the heat comes, produces bad fruit, thorns. Okay, that's the kind of concept with the tree image. Let me give you an, an example to hang this concept on. You're at work. And you've got a great team. You're really happy. You're doing well. You're actually you're one of the best in the team. And people look to you for leadership. And it's great. It's going really well. But someone new comes along in the team and you find yourself getting really angry at them. You're struggling to love them. You find yourself much more cynical and kind of gossipy at work about this person. What's going on with that? You know, you notice this. You, you know, you say to your friend, I've just found myself getting really angry at this person at work. I can't love them. You think, why am I like that? So what, let's break it down. What's the heat in that situation? The heat is the new person in your team. Okay, they weren't there before, but here they come. They're in your team. And they're really, really, really good at their job. They're not a horrible person. Actually, they're annoyingly nice. <laughs> What's the fruit? What's the thorns and the thistles? It's your anger. You're gossiping. You're seeming inexplicable inability to actually like this person. You resent that they've joined your team. That's the fruit you're experiencing in your life. Let's go down to the roots. Let's go down to the heart then. What does this show about who you really trust? Who are you really drawing strength from in life? The answer? You. In your heart is a whole lot of self-confidence. You were the best in your team, so you were really happy. Everyone liked you, and it felt great. What changed? The person's come along, and your heart's self-confidence is now threatened because they're better than you. You're no longer the best. You're being shown up to have weaknesses in, in your work. You're not as good as you thought you were. And your heart, threatened by that heat pumps out this bad fruit of anger, of bitchiness, whatever it is. So what does this then, remember our other question, what does this reveal about what your heart's thinking about God? He's basically not in the picture, is he? Your heart, like these verses says, is turned away from him. Your roots have been trying to draw strength from yourself, not God. Your joy was that you were really good at work. Your joy wasn't in God. God isn't your confidence. Human approval is your, your confidence. Human approval gets taken away and your heart goes, don't like that. 
Let me ask you this question. What is the cause of your anger in this situation? What's the cause? Is it the new person at work? Yeah, in a sense. They're the heat. They weren't there before. But more fundamentally, the cause is your heart, your pride, your self-reliance, which this person's just revealed. The self-reliance was always there. You just didn't notice it until the heat got turned up. Look at verse 9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? There it is. The sickness isn't ultimately in our actions or our words. It's deep down in our hearts. The sickness is so deep and advanced. Jeremiah basically goes, it's beyond cure. Beyond cure. So this is the, the Bible's explanation for why we're, we're like what we're like. We're a tree. We're a parched tree. Because when the heat gets turned up, our hearts react. So I just want you to take a moment and just think about that. Does it ring true with your life? That often your external actions are rooted in desires, ways of thinking, things you trust, things you love, things that aren't right, things that aren't God-centered. Other ways in which you experience that. Okay. Tree two. That's tree one. Tree two. Let's have a look at verse seven. But blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. They will be like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when heat comes. Its leaves are always green. It has no worries in a year of drought and never fails to bear fruit. Wow. This tree couldn't be more different, could it? Now, notice this tree isn't free from pressure or difficulty. It says in verse, halfway down verse 8, the heat comes. It has the same year of drought. But when the heat comes, this tree is always green. Oh, I'm going to run out of room. Anyhow. Here's the second tree. So the heat's still there. When the heat comes, it produces good fruit. Green leaves. It's like this evergreen tree. The tree's got good fruit. It says it, it never fails to bear fruit at the end of verse 8. Never fails to bear fruit, even in the year of drought. And it's a tree with roots in its right place. Look at verse 8. There would be like a tree planted by water. It sends out its roots by the stream. Such a different image, isn't it? But remember, this tree is a person. This is you and me. So the fruit here are the good ways of responding to the heat. The pressures of life come. Illness, suffering, twisted ankle. Not that I'm bitter. But instead of reacting negatively, this person reacts in a godly way. With the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, self-control, and so on. They react with kind words, with loving words, with self-sacrifice. So the heat comes, same as before. There's good fruit, godliness, Christ-likeness. So let's get down to the roots. What's different this time? What's going on in the heart? What makes this tree different? Well, it's the difference of the heart. Verse 7, here's what's going on. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord, whose confidence is in him. Totally different. The 
question is, where is your heart's trust? Verse 7, that before it was trust is in man. Here it's the roots are in God, trusting God in the heart. This poor person draws strength and life from God, confidence in him, not in self. And so drawing on God, drawing on a God-centered way of thinking and trusting and loving and desiring produces, when the heat comes, good fruits. Let's map this tree then, good tree, onto our work scenario. Remember, same heat. New person turns up at work, they're better than you. But with a heart that is set on God and whose confidence is in him, you act differently. While immediately you're threatened, same as before, you remember that my identity is not in my status in the team, though that's threatened. Yeah, I'm no longer top dog. But you know what? In my heart, that just doesn't matter anymore. Because God is what matters. God is what matters most to me and my identity in him. Right thinking, right feeling, godly reaction. So this produces an other-centeredness. Instead of getting angry, you go, you know what, God's top dog, not me. I don't, I don't have to get angry. I'm free to go, you're better than me. That's great. Our team's going to be better. And so with a heart, and think back to last time with the Colossians stuff, with a heart that is increasingly conformed to Christ, do you remember that? With your heart set on Christ above. With a mind daily, more and more set on Christ, conformed to his way of thinking, his values, his desires, you begin to bear fruit like he did. Same heat, but a Christ-like response. Now I said um, that we're going to have three trees. And you're always going to have to remember, ah, what a wonderful series. We did three trees. So here's the third tree. And I, Anais was right. She said, you're going to run out of room. And I have. But we're going to go kind of up here and you'll work it out. There yeah. we go. There are arrows under there. Okay. Third tree is the cross. Because what I've just described to you you know, that situation of, oh, a godly reaction can feel a bit of a dream. <laughs> you know, if, if the heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure, who can understand it? Are we destined to always produce thorns and bad fruit? How can we get from here to here? Here. Through this. Have a look at verse 14. Heal me, Lord, and I shall be healed. Save me and I shall be saved. For you are the one I praise. See, the heart is beyond self-cure, but it's not beyond God's cure. It's not beyond God's cure. Save me and I shall be saved. Heal me, heal my heart and I shall be healed. And when we talk about the cross, and as we think about this over the next few weeks, um, I'm not only talking about Jesus' substitutionary death in our place, I'm talking about Christ and all the grace that flows from the cross, all the grace that comes from Christ. Forgiving grace, changing grace, justification and sanctification, the new record he gives us and the spirit that he gives us to live within us. The key from getting to there to here is everything that comes from Christ and trusting in him that flows to us. 
So as we draw on the grace of Christ who died so that we would no longer live for ourselves but live for him who died and was raised for us, remember week one, then our hearts get gradually changed from that bad heart that trusts in self to this good heart, healthy heart that trusts in Christ, that loves what he loves, that desires what he desires. Hearts, minds transformed. How does that happen? Well, it's through, there are arrows, through the truth of the Bible seeping into our minds, seeping into our hearts, the way we think, the way we feel. This sets the agenda. This changes things. The Spirit applies that into our lives. Our hearts change. The heat comes. We react differently. And can I encourage you that I had a conversation before this session started with someone who shared, not knowing we were doing this, this process and how it happened for them today. They're saying about someone who they struggle to get on with at work. And they've been seeing this in the way they've been reacting. And then they said, but I read this verse on version this morning on, the, on my Bible app, which was about love and patience and not boasting in self. Boosh. Spirit applied it. They went to work today with that verse ringing in their hearts and ears, changing their hearts. And today they were more patient. Colleague was still there. Different fruit. And that happened today. Normal Christian life. Isn't that cool? Praise God. It's biblical. They, hadn't, they didn't know about three trees. They do now. So it's not unreal. It's messy. It's a process. It's lifelong. But this is why Jesus died for you. And what we're going to do over the next few weeks in part two, how we change, is basically slow down and explore different parts of this process. We're going to think about the heart a bit more next week. We're going to think about how we actually do that whole thing where we understand the gospel more and the cross more and go, okay, that means I should live differently in this way. So we're going to slow down and break down the process. So if you're thinking, mm, this is weird and makes no sense to me, hopefully it will over time. Um, but now in your studies, you're going to look at some different passages that talk about similar things, Um, from different angles to help really chew over this. Have this picture in front of you, draw it, go over it. During your study, refer to it and um, let God teach you this is how he wants to change you. Let's pray and then we'll get into it. Dear Lord God, it's pretty uncomfortable looking at ourselves this way, realizing that we are like bushes in a wasteland And our hearts, we we do feel they are beyond cure sometimes. Um, Things which we just think, nah, even God can't change this heart. We don't even understand our own hearts. It's beyond understanding. But thank you for the cross. Thank you for that tree where Jesus hung for us in our place to bring us the grace to forgive us for being bad trees with bad hearts and to win for us a new life by his resurrection with the power of the Spirit in us with new hearts so that we can begin to change. And we long that you'd heal us and save us and change our hearts and that we would bear fruit in ordinary, messy, lifelong ways, please. And I pray now that as we spend more time in your precious, precious, sweet word, 
that even tonight this process would happen, that the word would change our hearts and change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen.